Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Angelo Valandez will join us to discuss the conversation. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, the old saying goes that there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. But although most of us deal with the latter, the former perhaps understandably gets shuffled to the background. Well, in his new book, The Conversation, A Revolutionary Plan for End-of-Life Care, Dr. Angelo Valandez wants patients, families, and doctors to place greater emphasis on the oldest trick in the black medical bag, and that is talking to each other. Dr. Angela Valandez is a physician and a researcher at Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital. He's also the founder of Advanced Care Planning Decisions, a nonprofit organization devoted to encouraging the conversation through the use of videos. And uh, Dr. Valandez, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Hi, great to be here. Certainly a pleasure. Certainly, a, a, I think, a really important and fascinating book you've written here called The Conversation, A Revolutionary Plan for End-of-Life Care. Why did you decide to write this book? What I was seeing in the hospital was something very different than when I was having conversations with my own patients. You know, when most Americans are asked where they want to die, say in large numbers, about 86% in the latest poll, most people want to die at home, surrounded by their loved ones and in comfort. But the reality is that most Americans are still dying in our hospitals and in our nursing homes. And it's that misalignment between the type of medical care patients want and the type of medical care that they end up getting in our healthcare system today that really concerns me. So I took seven of my own patients, patients that I cared for at the end of life, and the book is about their stories, about how their end of life experience hinged on whether or not they had a conversation with their doctors and their families. What did you see the extremes of whether, whether or not these individuals had a conversation? Well, for those patients who had early discussions with their families and with their loved ones and their physicians, what we see is that they ended up getting care that they wanted. And many times it was at home, surrounded by their loved ones. But for patients who never had this discussion and whose doctors never brought up these options, what I talk about is the procedures, the interventions, the really prolonged suffering and dying process that occurred in their lives in the hospital. And so this is part memoir book, but also part how-to, because I try to help people to think about what are the questions they should be asking? What can they do to make sure that they are at the center of care? Because although we talk about patient-centered healthcare in our uh, system today, it's not patient-centered. We want patients to be in the driver's seat. And unfortunately today, patients are still not driving what's going on in healthcare. Uh, do you think this problem is particularly endemic just to uh, the medical system in America? Do you think other countries have a more open or at least conversational attitude about approaching end of life? You know, that's a great question, and I think you're absolutely right. This problem is acute in our country because we are always looking for the next new thing. Modern medicine is amazing. 
we are able to do things that no one would have thought of, you know, a decade ago, 40 years ago. But they're also, we have to recognize that with our growing toolkit of fixes, we as doctors need to know when to use and when not to use some of the interventions that we often talk about. Medical interventions for people with an advanced illness often have marginal, if any, benefits. And we need to be frank and open with our patients and our families about what the success rate is for some of these interventions. Unfortunately, those conversations are not happening in our society today. Unfortunately, uh, death and dying and the aging process remains a, a taboo topic. And I think other countries are much better of accepting our mortality um, because we have to remember we're, we're all going to die just like you started this piece. So we need to talk about it openly and know what our options are. Uh, do you think that would require then just more of a sea change in the culture or what are approaches then to opening this discussion? with? Well, I think a problem of this scope requires a multi-pronged approach. And so first, I think we need to train our doctors to be better at having these, uh, these discussions. I think we need to accept medical students into our medical schools and start having programs in our training programs where having a communication a training or having the discussion is actually just as important as learning the science behind medicine. But I also think we need to empower patients and families. You know, one thing that we've done uh, with the book is we've created a short video. It's on YouTube. Anybody can access it. It's at www.theconversationbook.org. And it's a five-minute video that actually tells people, what are the questions you should be asking yourself? What are your options? How can you empower yourself? Because I'm afraid we can't wait for the healthcare system to fix itself. And so patients and families need to really take control and to be in the driver's seat. Um, so I hope our video, which has been seen by thousands of people, will also help people know their options. Do you, do you find that there's a certain type of individual, certain type of patient that is perhaps more willing to open up a conversation? Or... You know, the funny thing is that many research studies have suggested that most patients actually want to have this conversation. Most patients want to know what their options are. You know who the problem is? It's doctors. We're uncomfortable having this discussion. You know, part of it is we got into this to cure people. So talking about this issue inherently means that we're acknowledging our limitations. And unfortunately, many of us are, are have a difficult time facing our own mortality. So the irony is that most patients and families are expecting their doctors to start talking about it. But unfortunately, too many doctors are still not having this discussion. Is there increased training for doctors, at least in terms of thinking about this? Absolutely. I am quite optimistic. The rapid expansion and growth of palliative care and hospice services in our country has been phenomenal. It's not enough to meet the need. And that's really what we're talking about. The labor force to meet this huge need in our society isn't there yet. So although maybe less than 1% medical residents choose to focus on palliative care, we need tens of thousands more clinicians to help us meet this demand and this need for patients. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. The new batch of medical students and residents that I see at our medical school um, really have start to think about these questions from the first day that they come into medical school. So I'm optimistic, but I fear that our present need is so great that we need a huge influx of clinicians, both doctors, social workers, psychologists, nurses, physician assistants, to really help us with this uh, huge task. So what can patients do then to be proactive with their physician in terms of starting this conversation? 
That's a great question. You know, just like I talk about in the book, I think the first thing to do is to think about some of the questions that everybody ought to ask themselves. For instance, what's a good day? What gives you enjoyment in your life? If you had a serious illness, what sort of things would you want or wouldn't you want in terms of medical care? What are your hopes and fears about medical interventions? And where do you want to die, at home or in the hospital or in a nursing home? I think those are some of the questions you could start asking yourself. And then, as I talk about in the book, I review some of the options for medical care and what are the risks and benefits of procedures like CPR or breathing machines or feeding tubes, especially for patients with Alzheimer's disease. You know, the other thing I talk about in the book, which I think is really important for people to do, is when you have this discussion, especially if you're older, if you have a serious illness, go ahead and use your iPhone or tablet and record yourself and your family having this conversation. You know, why don't you email that short video to your family, to your friends, to your doctor, so that in the event that you do become seriously ill and you're not able to speak for yourself, you know, we do have these documents called advanced directives, but it would be helpful to actually see a short video that you provide us so that we can see what you tell us you wanted. And I think in the future, and since we are on the Grok Science Show, uh, I think in the future we'll be able to upload those videos into electronic medical records, which almost every place in America has now. Uh, but if we can upload those videos, then when I'm that ER doctor and I have a patient who I don't know who comes in at 3 in the morning, I could actually refer to that video uh, instead of looking at these sterile forms, which I really don't know if the patient who filled them out actually understood what they were signing off on. Uh, you, you mentioned in passing uh, your advanced directives. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about preparing those sorts of things? Yeah, advanced directives are documents that help clinicians get a better understanding of what sort of preferences you have. They come in two flavors. One is called the living will, and these are documents that sort of spell out a variety of scenarios that you might be critically ill in, and you say whether or not you would want certain procedures. These forms, although they're out there, they're not as helpful as the second type of advanced directive. Those are called healthcare proxy or healthcare surrogate forms. These are forms where you designate someone to speak on your behalf, a son, a daughter, a friend, a spouse. Key thing, if you're going to designate someone to make these decisions for you, make sure you have the conversation with them because what we know is that often an elderly parent will put their child as the surrogate, but they never have a conversation. So the burden is simply passed on to the son or daughter to make those decisions. So you, you want to give a gift to your kid, have the conversation with them, tell them this is what I want if I become critically ill, and then they'll be able to make a decision on your behalf with great certainty. Certainly would be a nice gift to have, but again, it's a very difficult conversation to have. How can you sort of start the conversation within, within a family so that everyone knows what your wishes will be and that everyone's on the same page? I admit it can be a difficult conversation, but it doesn't have to be a sad one. The most common way that I encourage, especially the children of sick parents, to, to start the conversation is at a holiday dinner, let's say Thanksgiving or the next time you see your folks, go ahead and say, hey, you know, I read about this article in the newspaper where a family started bickering about what was best for Ma, who was really sick and in the intensive care unit. You know, I don't want that to happen to us. Do you mind if we have a conversation about what's important to you and what sort of medical care you would want if you become pretty sick? This is the most natural way to start the conversation, and I find a lot of children and spouses 
find that way of introducing the topic to be really balanced and not as frightening as it sounds. And what have you found, I guess, among your patients that have had this conversation, uh, how their end-of-life experiences differed from those that haven't? That's a great, great point. You know, what we find in our research is that when patients have these conversations and when patients use some of the videos that we have that explain to people how to have this conversation, people end up getting the medical care that they want at the end of life. What we find is that if you have this conversation and you are informed about your options, you end up getting the medical care that you want at the end of life. So whether you do want life-prolonging interventions or if you do want a more quality uh, focus on your end of life, you end up getting the sort of things that you want. And, and that's really what this is all about, is making sure that patients get the right care at the right time, but on their terms. If you have any uh, recommendations, you mentioned your, your website, other resources that uh, individuals can go to in terms of uh, starting to think about this issue and uh, begin their conversation. I think the best website, um, other than Mike, yeah, <laughs> I think a great website for people to go to is by Diane Meyer, who's probably the leading figure in this field, and it's getpalliativecare.org, so www.getpalliativecare.org. It's a wonderful website because it talks about all the different forms in all the different states. It also tells you about what's going on in your nearby community. And Dr. Meyer has done a wonderful job in making this resource uh, resource patient friendly, and it's written at a, at a at a health literacy level that anybody could really understand. It's a wonderful website. Uh, well, we are running slightly out of time. I'm just curious if you have any uh, final words regarding uh, the conversation. I think it's possible for us to transform healthcare. I think we just need to prioritize it and to make sure that just as important as talking to a patient about allergies, about their medications, we need to have the conversation with our patients and make sure that it's just equally important. Uh, the new book is called The Conversation, A Revolutionary Plan for End-of-Life Care, and our guest today was uh, Dr. Angela Valandez. Dr. Valandez, thank you very much for your time. Thanks a lot. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.